Welcome to the FML Podcast. My name is Vicki Denton, and I'm your host. Our guest today is Sofia Uberg. Sofia is from Gothenburg, Sweden, and she wears many hats. So first, we'll describe her as an entrepreneur. And then she can explain what else she can do. She has a long history in uh, audits, environmental work. And most recently, she started a second company that is involved in directly with our industry. So let me welcome to the show, Sophia. Hi, thank you so much for introducing me so nicely and for giving this this opportunity. Very nice. You're welcome. So, Sophia, let's start with um, perhaps tell us about yourself. You told me earlier that um, as a teenager, you actually started your own business and that's how you got into (laughs) this you know, a multifaceted career. Uh, yeah, actually, that's that's true. I didn't remember I even told you. But yes, uh, I, I did start a firm or well, it wasn't that official, but we did have a logo and everything for our babysitting club. So me and my friend Lovisa, we, we did our, uh, well, work already then. Uh, and uh, had different clients, the family owners uh, that wanted to have support with their babysitting. Yeah. And I assume it was quite lucrative, right? Well, yeah, but at that time I didn't know that much about running a company. So, but we were really happy <laughs> with the results, and we could go into town and buy ourselves some clothes and then eat on the restaurant. So that was a big thing. <laughs> so yes, we were happy about the result. Yeah. So you went into natural science first, and then you eventually. Uh, graduated with a master's degree in environmental science from the University of Gothenburg, where actually you continue to live as of today. Yeah, yeah that's right. I did. I did move some in within uh, Sweden uh, to another part before, but I ended up uh, coming back to Gothenburg. Uh, I really like this uh, part of Sweden with the coast and uh, close to other. Uh, natural areas you can go uh, both for actually it's not that far from skiing uh, as well and you have the sea and everything so and we have a lot of friends still here so that was why we ended up staying yes so um you started a new company in 2019 it's called tell us what probity is well to probity is a third-party registration uh, organization you can to be able to check and have a third party uh, checking the information so actually it's a service to make sure that serious companies can be able to verify that they are doing it correctly and it's uh, for non-food compounds so 
different com- uh, chemicals that, and also oil and uh, different lubricants or greases that may be used uh, linked to the food industry. And then you have different regulations in the US FDR. Uh, so the Food and Drug Administration has set a set of rules, you could say. So we are supporting the companies to make sure that this is actually followed. Uh, and then they can have their own marks. For example, H1 that is used a lot for different lubricants and greases. And then, then that would be a safe way of knowing that this is not contaminating the food that might be in contact with this. So that's that's what we do. Who are your clients, Sophia? Are they mostly Swedish companies or are they Nordic mm. companies or are they EU companies? Uh, it's actually all over the world this is used. So, but I have since I started here, and it's been just before the pandemic. So I kind of didn't have that uh, uh, good chance of getting out there in the beginning, and now it's much better. Uh, so at the moment, I have been more in the EU um, market uh, when different uh, gatherings where we also met in Athens, for example. So um, so that's why I have a lot of clients in the EU, but uh, it's not that many in Sweden. I can have more, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's actually more in in other countries in within the EU mainly. But I do have some in Asia as well and uh, not that many at all in the US though. So I would say it's it's a global possible global markets yes it is you you mentioned us fda the food and drug administration yes so um is there an equivalent organization in the eu or in sweden or in the nordic states no there are the, the of course my biggest competitors here is the nsf which are they are giant, of course. <laughs> uh, but I felt when I started this, it's also why I started it, because otherwise they would have a monopoly. And I feel this is not a good thing on in any market to have a monopoly. So I felt like I had a chance and I had an experience that is suitable for this. So I thought this would be a positive thing to try out and it ended up very well i am really happy about that i did take the leap and did do that so um so that's the only competitor at the moment and i do have uh, collaborations with them actually because i feel like the same thing for certificate bodies we are on the same market we need to be talking to each other about the different evaluations so we're not you know doing different uh, evaluations and assessments so that's important to have that uh, too uh, so I wouldn't shut the door uh, at all uh, I would say it's good to have competi- competition competition uh, within the markets yes you, so you mentioned H1 tell us what H1 is so H1 is a marking that makes uh, the buyer and the user of your products ensured that this can be used for incidental food contacts. So if you have a food processing, then you can use this product to uh, lubricate your different uh, machinery, for example, and not be concerned of contaminating any kind of food product that might get any contact to that 
product. So it might drip a little bit into the pot or whatever you have or in the dough or, well, something. But that would be fine because then we have checked that any kind of ingredient in this product is according to the regulations. And that is considered safe and not going to contaminate the final product, what we might be eating. So the bun that's coming out of the oven, (laughs) coming to us, it's going to be fine. So this is also why I started the company because I like this part to ensure that we are helping out in one part of the process of making it a safe food for everyone. So that's the marking H1. Is there really an agency that tracks whether a lubricant or a grease or a cleaning fluid um, does not come into contact with food or has incidental contact with food I mean, what what's the what's the body that oversees that you know? Okay, I claim such my product meets this specification. Who checks if I am actually meeting them? Uh, I would say that there are different authorities in different countries that do these checks. Uh, but it's also if you're uh, also certified for, for example, ISO twenty one four six nine. Another, it's a standard for ensuring that your process and your con- in your uh, production is actually looking at the different risks of contamination of your product. So if you have that kind of work, and as well as, I would say, quality certifications like ISO 9001, that also lifts different regulations and requirements on your product, then that would also be included to make sure that your product is actually following in the different regulations that it should be. So in those senses, you would say then you have a certificate body as well that will look into this. So that's examples of who will be looking at it. And of course, if you have a mishap and something happens and uh, someone is testing uh, the final product and finding out that that contaminant is there, they will backtrack and see what, where does this come from, of course. And then you don't want to be the, the one that's been sending you, sending the wrong kind of lubricants then or greases. So then you can say, okay, but this is not me. I have been ensuring that my product is okay. It's safe. Uh, so if they are backtracking and blaming <laughs> the lubricants, then you could say, well, this has been checked by a third party. It's not even me saying it. It's, oh, well, in this case, it's me, but the client could say, this has been checked in someone that's independent that doesn't have uh, a reason to approve anything but the correct ones. So I would say that it's also us as a customer that's also possibly one that's checking and uh, wanting authorities to check every more. I'm counting, with everything you said, at least five different organizations that may be involved in this whole process. Mm-hmm. Or is that too too small? It could actually be a bigger set of, you know, regulators and and agencies. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and it depends on how many markets are your products going to be used in. 
if it's going to be used in many markets, then you have a lot of different authorities maybe having different ideas, <laughs> different regulations, uh, even national differences. So, of course, there might be a lot of, well, different interested parties in this uh, in this question. And it's, of course, a hot topic, you could say. Uh, contaminants in food, no one wants it, right? We want to have healthy and good food. Of course we won't. Uh, that's that's what you know. Anyone would answer yes. Of course we want. Or do you want uh, someone that's uh, putting contaminants in this in throughout the process? Of course not. You know. So this is an, uh, an, uh, a question for anyone to say yes. Of course we want to have this. But going back, uh, it might be very hard for. Uh, a lubricant uh, industry or a lubricant supplier to show that it's not my product because sometimes I feel now when I'm coming into this industry more and more I feel like uh, this industry is uh, blamed a lot <laughs> for things that might not be even their their fault so uh, looking at it that way I feel like it's um, it's something that industry needs to work with, and I'm happy to support that. And I do understand that sometimes uh, the industry, with all the discussions, for example, with environment and resources, of course, it's targeted already a little bit. So I would say that uh, this is just another thing to keep track of. Uh, and uh, possibly a very crucial one if you end up supplying your product when something like that would happen that someone says oh but my bun that i tested is uh, does include this bad contaminant well it's i'm sure it's the greases we used well maybe not maybe it's something else within the process that happens before it comes to your table so uh that's, I think that's a big challenge for the industry. Yeah, I mean, once you have a food recall or a drug recall for that matter, um, it's obviously a big deal. Uh, we've mm. seen that. That's happened quite a bit. Um, the food processing industry alone is a huge industry. Do you only deal with the packaged goods or is it like even fresh produce would be would also have to deal with um, this kind of problem because, I mean... Yeah, you could take water, for example. Well, that's you need to make sure that the, there's no contaminants when you have a produ producing water, even though you have a good source. It's the best water ever. <laughs> We've tested it and it's even healthy for you. But of course, you have to kind of put it in containers and somehow bottle it and then you have machines that needs to be entertained and serviced and everything of course you knew you do need that so yeah you don't even have to bake a bun to use it, any of these things so you have just bottling water then you might need to ensure that you have for example h1 approved uh, lubricants or greases. So far, Sophia, what's been your experience in our industry? What's been the most challenging aspect of 
entering a new field for you because you've been a consultant uh, for many years, 20 something years, um, going into this new business. In a way, it's not new, as you mentioned, because a lot of the customers of lubricant companies are actually com- industries that you've been working with for a long time. But what, yeah. what makes it different or special? Uh, I would say it's uh, um, it, it's uh, a very small industry somehow, which I really appreciate. It's uh, a lot of people know each other and they meet up and I hope to be some of those into that circle as well. I'm working on it and it's really enjoying the company of the people I'm, I'm meeting. It's, it's uh, actually interesting to meet a lot of nice people i would say any anyone that i've been talking to has been very nice and uh yeah, well they they care you care about each other i would say in some other industries i feel like it's more of course there are competitions but it's a different way so i i do appreciate that which is a little bit surprising. I didn't know that. So that's very fun to to experience. So I'm very intrigued and wanting to explore this more uh, because I I do feel welcomed. Uh, So that's very nice. Uh, But of course, uh, I do, um, but I have had lubricants and greases in um, uh, companies as uh, clients before. So that's kind of why I kind of get the idea you could say of starting the company as well but um what's the challenge is of course the i would say the possibility to meet people to be because i am a person that is uh, <laughs> i would say better in person <laughs> i i like to talk to people and connect a bit more and of course when you have a market that's global uh, it's a new challenge for me uh, because that's nothing I've been uh, experiencing that way. Uh, here, when I started my consultancy firm, I started small and then built that up. And then at the moment we have clients, well, mainly in Sweden, but also other countries as well. But then I built on network and meeting people and uh, clients recommending us again or to someone else. And that's how I kind of work with two property as well but that takes time and so and also since the market is so much bigger it's uh, hard to get uh, a possibility to meet everyone (laughs) that you want to yeah yes how how do you you juggle this because yesterday when I was talking to you you were driving and you were heading to an audit and you 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 finished pretty late you said you have you have three sons. Um, I assume they're very much involved in sports in school. How, how do you juggle all this? And then you have two companies. You have a consulting firm, and you have this new company uh, that started up just before the pandemic that you're growing. Um, you must well, have a lot of energy. <laughs> well, I I like what I'm doing. That's one thing. I do like my job. Uh, I, I enjoy p- doing my work, so of course, I I, I like going to work on Monday. Uh, that's one thing, uh, and I do have a lot of fantastic people around me, because I would never be where I am today without the people around me. 
And that has been switching somewhat during these 20 years. I've been running the companies and also with two property as well. But I'm very happy to be finding new good people that are joining me on my ride, you could say. (laughs) And some has been, you know, of course, at home, it's my husband and uh, his parents and my parents that, well, we're pitching in and they're helping out. So, of course, I I need that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Uh, So that's on the on the private side i would say that's a crucial part but uh here if you take it professionally for the company i would say that i have a lot of great people around me both employed and as a subcontractor or maybe in my network that i can just pick up the phone and call oh do you know why you have this question do you can you help me out and they do that and it, i'm really su- have a lot of support that way so that's how I kind of do it. But I do <laughs> appreciate to go out and also take my time to um, recover, you could say, by, for example, going as we did just the other week when we, when the kids were off from school, going skiing, for example, or doing activities with my families, kind of, or traveling. That's uh, that's a kind of, you say, a ventilator or something for me to to recharge a bit yes um so we've had of course the pandemic and we're just coming out of it maybe sweden is a little bit more advanced than the rest of the world because you approach the pandemic completely differently from everyone else yeah and would you say you were right that that was the right approach well i would say that it was right for us uh here it worked well uh, well, well, depending on how you see it, of course, I would say it worked very well for us. Uh, we did work a lot from home, mainly from home, all of us, but we weren't isolated. So we could get the kids could go to school, they could go to daycare. We could have a little bit of a normal life, you could say. You weren't isolated. So you got the kind of social interactions and so I think that's very important for your mental health and that supports also your other health. So maybe that was good, but of course, it's also different in different countries. You don't have all the same possibilities and not the same structures on the different cities. And well, it's just different. So I don't know if I would say that Sweden did everything right. We didn't. No one can say that you knew what to do, but some of it really worked for us in Sweden uh, because we have, well, our system of the society and maybe it's not the same in other countries. So hard to say. I would say a mix of everything would be probably the best. <laughs> you know, Now when we can evaluate, maybe we could face it better. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to get your perspective on this. You've been working in this area, uh, management audits, environmental standards, um, now relating to food uh, or or non-food, meaning the lubricants and greases. Uh, Tell us how much the environment has changed, not necessarily just for Sweden, but also within the EU, because you do deal within the EU for the most part. Um, Yeah. You know, and did Brexit have any impact on your business? Or would you say, did it have any impact on the way things were being done? 
Yeah, I would say the Brexit might uh, have been more an impact for other sectors than the environmental sector. Um, since the UK has been kind of adopting a little bit what the EU had already, uh, of course there are some uh, some changes. Uh, I would say for different administrational questions, uh, but other than that, I don't say that it was that big of a difference. But of course, there are other things, other aspects uh, financially or for employment and other things that, of course, is more affected, I would say. But um, our, in the EU, and if I look at my 20 years here, uh, I, I usually, I, I do, <laughs> I did reflect on that because I had a 20th anniversary last year. So we, I did reflect on what have happened, you know, during my period this far and I would say that when I finished school uh, when I finished university I got questions like oh how do I sort this kind of waste oh yeah well you can do this and I, I would get those questions and I still get those questions but now it's linked to maybe circular economy so I would say that the questions has been evolving during these years so yes the humankind is evolving, which is good. <laughs> uh, so the questions also within the EU and also within the companies has been evolved. So it's still, we are still looking at maybe the same, uh, same focus area, but in another way. So nowadays we're talking more about circle economy or we're talking about sustainability and looking at the product. How can I reuse this product more? How can I design this product to make sure it's going to be used better in the next step? Or maybe not um, uh, if I'm, I need to have a portion of uh, uh, this product, how can I make sure that it's not overused? So it's going to be spillage. I mean, all those kind of things is more design. So now it's moved both back and forth, I would say, in the process. So the questions are more included in the whole process, which is uh, great, I would say, because you have to start in also in the beginning as well as handling what we have. Um, and if you're talking about pandemic, my view and also some of the people I talk to is that the EU politicians um, had more time away from Brussels, but they were working from home. They were not traveling. So they have a lot of more time to work. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a totally uh, own idea. And then they were kind of spitting out a lot of documents and they were getting all things done and they could get meetings arranged much easier because people didn't get, you know, didn't have to find a time where everyone needs to be at the same place. So they were more efficient. So also the legislation that we see at the moment just popping up is, I think, maybe also some of the results of the work done during the pandemics because they've had time to I think that's really a very work. good observation. I certainly agree with you because, you know, 
it's been enormous, right? I mean, yes, yes, it is so so fast during the pandemic of of all times, right? Yeah, yeah, and also there are quite big leaps that, for example, EU is planning, and of course, you can discuss if it's the correct decision if it's the sustainable way to do it and i well um i do uh i i do uh, have the environmental sense but um if you could say i also have the business approach uh, i'm not the tree hugger but i do understand the tree huggers but i also do understand the business so i'm kind of meddling between the tree huggers and the businesses that's pretty much why i usually end up <laughs> so i do want uh, all of the good things with sustainable development and environmental issues but i do understand that we might not be able to take uh, some leaps because it's uh, putting problems in front of different important uh, industries and the companies work so uh, I would say that we are facing a lot of new possibilities, but also some tough uh, challenges uh, with all the different changes within the EU and other others as well. Because also you have other things, for example, in in China, they change now for the other. They are also putting up other new regulations for food for um, for Com- uh, coatings for example that are going to be in plastics or something that's also coming so it's a lot of things not only in the within the eu that's uh making a lot of um, challenges for the companies uh, but we're all striving for pretty much the same thing it's like we want to have healthy and good food of course we do and we want to have a good future for everyone yeah <laughs> but how to do that is quite, of course, a big question to solve. Yeah. Um, last question, Sophia. What's the role of management audits in the whole thing? Um, I mean, of course, we know what the purpose of, of an audit is, right? To validate a claim that you're making. Um, yeah. Does it really make for a better process, a better product? A better environment. Uh, I would say that it's um, it's uh, depending on both the management ideas and their willingness of striving towards their possibilities to do right and maybe not looking at uh, money all the time. Maybe quarterly reports might not be the correct way. If you're talking about sustainability environment, uh, it might be needing a longer perspective because the changes aren't that quick. Uh, so, of course, it's, it's always up to the management in the company to make sure that the strategies and the, well, SWOT or whatever you want to do to find your opportunities and risks is very crucial. But it's also the auditor, <laughs> because if you have an auditor, you could have a great auditor that is lifting the ideas of new things that the management hasn't been thinking about, maybe, and opening up a new door for them. So that would be helping the company forward. 
But of course, if you have an auditor that is um, more there to visit and not just checking a box and making sure that you don't get that much work afterwards so you don't put down any non-conformities, maybe that's not going to be the same result. So I would say that it's both ways. If you have a certificate you that you want to be using in the right way, you have a possibility to do that. But both management and the auditor and this certificate body needs to do their part. Everyone's very concerned about product carbon footprint. Who audits uh, a company's claim about their scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions? Well, that I would say is um, you need to keep to the standards that are there to be able to compare your figures. Because if you're using... um, uh, the wrong uh, baseline, then you're comparing to totally different things. So then you might be putting down a lot of effort and money into something that's not going to be worth anything in the end. So uh, I would say that using the standards that are there for the calculations, and that's one main thing uh, to be able to put your money on the right horse, you could say. Uh, So scope one and two is one thing, but scope three is uh, very tough to to do by yourself, I would say, unless you have a very skilled team or person in your your company. So uh, I would suggest that that might be good to get support there from someone that's really good at calculating those things. And what advice do you have for our, for our industry? I mean, I think it's nice that you haven't been with the industry for a long time. You can look at it from afar uh, and say, you know, if only these guys knew something, what's your <laughs> advice? You, li- you know a lot of things. I, I mean, you are, a, you are an industry that's, that has a lot of knowledge within it. So... That's very, that's for sure. Uh, so I would say that, that you need to use the knowledge in uh, maybe a new perspective sometimes and look at the market that's coming. I would say that you have a lot of uh, new customers, uh, new decision makers that are coming up, a new generation of those that is not the same as it's been of course that's the same in any generation switch you know but the ones that are coming up making decisions they want to make sure that they are taking a sustainable decision many times they are choosing their uh, employment linked to what kind of work is the company doing is this a company that has a sustainable strategy or not maybe that would be Yes or no for them. Oh, well, doesn't matter. I won't work with that kind of company. So the industry, as I said, is kind of targeted already, linked to all the questions, linked to environment and the problems we're actually facing at the moment. So, of course, you need to kind of turn that around and show the benefits of the products you have, the uh, energy efficiency you can contribute with or other things you need to be better at communicating that, I think, to make sure that you can lure the good 
people, the talented people to your company for the future, pretty much, and also be able to sell your product. I think that's a very good point. I think that um, maybe we don't talk enough about the solutions that we can provide to everyone. I mean, because everyone needs lubricants, right? Yeah, and you have been doing that for so many years. (laughs) You have already... You have already some of the answers, but I don't think that people know it. I didn't know all that when I came into it. It's it's, it's still uh, very interesting for me to listen to all of the different people I encounter and see, oh, I didn't think about that aspect, you know. So I kind of learn all the time and I feel like you have so much to give. Uh, so I would say that uh, that's the main thing. Try to give back and uh, show what you can do. Well, Sophia, you've been a very refreshing person to speak with tonight. Thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to linking up with you even more in the coming years. Yeah, I hope so. Really, really, yeah. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.